Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Horvath, joined always by my good friend and fellow champion, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it hanging today? Dude, it's going really well. What a weekend. <laughs> what a weekend indeed. So for the uninitiated, uh, J.W. and I had a very successful weekend over the last couple of days. Uh, we attended the Full Grip Games 2K and 1K for Standard and GLC, respectively. And between the two of us, we took it home. It was pretty crazy. You could not have <laughs> scripted a better weekend. I was so stoked when I heard that Riley had won the 2K, the Standard Tournament. And I couldn't make that tournament. So he got off a little bit easy, in my <laughs> opinion. But... Then I came up for the GLC tournament, kind of on a whim. I wasn't really yeah. planning on it for the longest time. And then the week of, I kind of made that decision and I ended up taking that one home. So pretty exciting stuff. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, it was, it was awesome stuff. It was awesome stuff. And and both of us kind of claimed these tournaments in advance. <laughs> so We did. It was uh, It's always nice to, to live up to your own kind of self-hype. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. We were... We were, you know, excited about it on the cast. I actually made some comments on Twitter about like, <laughs> I'm going to win this tournament and like, can't, you know, have a busted deck and all this kind of stuff. And it, uh, it came to fruition, which is always, it's always good to be able to back up your words with your actions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had also been texting Natalie, like around the time that I had booked my flights and like, I'm going to come and I'm not going to do anything less than win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> making That's all so this awesome. effort so ended up working out obviously so yeah well we have a lot to talk about so we got standard we got glc we got card of the day of course sandwich in the middle so let's get right down to it so i figured that it'd probably be good to you know just kind of interview one another you know, we don't yeah. often get this opportunity to, uh, you know, speak to to the champions of these tournaments, and because and we never so win happens. them. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, <laughs> dual dual champs. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, and kind of hype each other up. I mean, I was really excited, Riley, when I heard that you had won the tournament. I was like, I'm so proud. Like anytime you do well, I'm like, oh, that's that's my tag team. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. I, you know, I know him. I know him. And uh, you know, I'm sure you felt kind of you know similarly for me. Absolutely, but it was just yeah. like really really cool to kind of see you win that first one, and then it kind of put a little pressure on me. Like I gotta at least make top eight, you know, in the GLC tournament to kind of you know have. I can't just have Riley going out here winning. You know, I'm a competitive guy. I, I can't just have Riley win and then me not even show up to the GLC <laughs> tournament. So it's true. That's pretty cool. It's true. Now I know as well that we had said that we wanted to talk about some of the new cards this week. We're just going to table that discussion altogether. You know, these cards are not going to be out for a while. So we'll talk yeah. about them as they start to be more relevant uh, to our standard journey here <laughs> in the States. Um, there is one other piece of news that I figure we should briefly touch on. Oh, we should. Uh, so if you happened, if you happen to be an audience member of this podcast and somehow missed this, bless your heart, because you are truly an unfathomably good fan of the cast. 
But Generation 9 was announced just the other day. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Nice little throwback to Red and Blue. Now, this isn't a video game cast. I figure we don't have to talk about, you know, much of the details there. But, J.D. Boo, I'm really curious. Of the three new starters, Sprigatito, Fuecoco, and Quaxley, which one speaks to you? Which one do you feel that deep, intimate connection with? Sure, absolutely. Initially, I was all about the Dolan Duck starter. I thought that Quaxley <laughs> was, you know, cute and kind of quirky. But the more that I sit and think on it, the more that I think I would choose Sprigatito. Really? Just, maybe just for name alone. Really? But Sprigatito is really calling to me for sure. Easily the worst starter is Fue Coco. Okay, well... You're kind of beefing with me right now a little bit. Not going <laughs> to lie. You're kind of beefing with me. Do so, you have it exactly the opposite? Pretty much. I'm about to hear? So, <laughs> so hear me out on this. And I think once you hear me, you may you may understand my perspective. Okay, okay convince me. Convince so, um, Quaxley, I wasn't a huge fan of from the get-go because when I first saw it, I immediately thought it was just like a ducklet. Um, you know, upon further examination, like side by side, I can see the visual disparities between them. Um, but Quaxley is basically like Ducklet has like a little puff on the bottom right. of it. And Quaxley is like if you took that puff and put it on the top. Um, right. So also, I don't know why. I, just, I feel like Quaxley would be racist. I can't explain it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just bad, bad vibes coming from Quaxley. OK, OK. <laughs> Overall bad vibes. Got it. Um and Sprigatito is very cute, but it feels <laughs> almost identical to Litten to me. Ah, okay. It's like okay. if you took the Litten okay. and put the, the green bucket on it. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, puffed out its tail. That's quack. That's uh, Sprigatito, not Quaxley. That's <laughs> definitely not Quaxley. Okay, okay. And, and then so so elaborate a little bit on Fue Coco then. So Fue Coco has the same kind of chaotic good energy as like totodile almost where mm-hmm. it's like ready just to chomp on something and and gobble it up but Fue Coco has one thing that totodile doesn't do you know what that is besides just being a fire type a little slice of craft cheese on its belly it does have that it also is is exceptional it's just a round little guy and if there's one thing I love it's a, it's a round little guy <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah, my Twitch channel is named Munner because okay. named after, you know, Munna, another round okay. little guy. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. And so Fue Coco being just a, a round dude who chomps on stuff, like, that's awesome. That's sick. It's like the, uh, it's like the, what's the game where you had the, like, the crocodile mouth that was. Like Hungry Hungry Hippos. No, but it was like a crocodile and you'd, like, brush his teeth or something. You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. It was in that era where you'd have like the like the elephant game that blew the butterflies around. You'd have okay. the, the crocodile with the bad tooth that you'd brush the teeth. Uh Hungry Younger uh, Hippos is kind of in that okay. spirit. Oh, that space oh, I, as well. you're, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Bad tooth crocodile game. Yeah. I think that's what it was called. Yeah, it was exactly that was it. It was, it was the bad tooth crocodile. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew it, I knew it. So, so I don't know if Coco gives me those kind of vibes. He's just he seems like the one who I'd most want to hang out with, um, you know, outside of work. So, 
So I like Foy Coco. I don't know. Do you, do you understand where I'm coming from? Well, okay. The thing about Foy Coco is that his eyeballs are just, they're without, they're, they're kind of emotionless. Yeah. I feel like. Which is good. That's what you want? I think, I think emotions are, are kind of canceled. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Respect. Respect. I don't know. It just looks like it's the weakest design of the three, in my opinion. I don't know. I, just, it, I it's think, lifeless. Uh, no, lifeless is cool. Lifeless is cool. I, and maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe it's like a ghost type or something like that. Well, some I've people heard, are thinking I've seen that there's like kind of there's discourse right now, right? Obviously yeah. about what these will evolve into. Um, please, Brigatito, stay on the ground. Don't stand up. <laughs> and so true. The and there's and this is all theory theory modding, but some people are saying that Fue Coco is you know because it kind of looks like a chili pepper that he's gonna right. evolve into like a a ghost pepper, you know, right? Which is a really clever reference if that ends up being true. <laughs> a ghost pepper, and like you know, if it's set in Spain, then you have like a you know Day of the Dead, Dia de yeah. los Muertos yeah. type thing. Which okay. is, you know, definitely not Spain, Spanish in origin. But... No, I, I think they also have some kind of... Do like, they? Like... Uh, who am I? I don't want to speak for other people's culture. I don't know. Well, I, I, again, I don't know. I, I think it... I mean, because Mexico is kind of a colony of, of Spain, right? So yeah. I think they share a lot of cultural overlap. Not necessarily that they are the same, but... Uh... <laughs> Two white guys trying not to dig themselves into a trench. It's something oh, they so have true. no idea about. Let's see. Let's, I'm looking. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. Uh, Day of the Dead in Spain. I think they celebrate it. Oh, so, cool. Nice. Yeah, I, I was right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're really smart and cool. Um, Thank you. Cool. I vibe with it. Then I I do like the idea. I do think if they do the ghost pepper route, that is like a really clever, you know, idea for a Pokemon. Um, and it being fire type is like a cool, you know, obviously reference to like peppers being hot. <laughs> I, I solved it guys so that's good that's good so i don't know i like him I, i'm sorry that you're a hater uh, we just have different preferences we sure. just have different preferences sure well let us know on social media what's new starter that you're looking at forward to at tag team pokemon on twitter but with Absolutely. that i think now's the time jw it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode this is a very special episode. Never before has a co-hosting duo of a Pokemon TCG podcast won two separate events in the same weekend, to my knowledge. <laughs> and that is what we have done here tonight, this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, a Pokemon TCG first. We will be entering, uh, you know, entering a new era, really. And I it mean, won't I be the last. Like, Tag team will do yeah, it again. We'll do it again. Or we'll die trying. <laughs> so anyway, let's get into our interview of the Full Group Games 2K Standard Tournament with Riley Hulbert, the champion. Riley, talk about how you selected your deck for this tournament. I mean, it's always an interesting thing coming into a new format. So walk us through what you were thinking when, you know, you knew that you were going to go to the tournament, how you kind of picked your deck and what that looked like. Yeah, it was, uh, 
it was admittedly a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. Um, you know, when I had started planning or, you know, when I, when I was starting to plan my deck proper a couple days beforehand, you know, I thought about it for sure over the last few weeks. Um, I was feeling playing something relatively straightforward that I thought would handle the meta well. You know, think of the, the single strike Gengar that we had talked about the other day, um, you know, or last week rather. Think about the Entei decks, stuff like that. Uh, stuff that was straightforward, it handled the metagame pretty well, it was relatively familiar in terms of its deck structure. Um, and that was kind of the game plan I had going in. The only deck that I had packed was my Suicune deck um, because I figured I, that was like a solid backup option as well, was, right. was to just right. play the dog. Um, after I land and arrive at the Mahone residence, um, you know, I'm just sitting down chatting with with Chip and Andrew and Natalie and, you know, trying to figure out what deck is best. We're tearing apart the decks that, that he had built for his tabletop stream, stuff like that. Um, and we play a few rounds with the single strike deck and it, it hangs really well with the Mew. The list that we had come up with was was really giving me the hands which was something i thought was important was to at least take a you know a, a reasonable matchup against Mew. i think Mew <laughs> inherently doesn't have any matchups that are too terrible but that was kind of the logic there is we should at least hang with Mew. we shouldn't get dominated by it um and so like all right fine single strikes the move whatever like let's just call it there um and then you know the corner of my eye i spot the the Boo-Shake Duraldon deck that, that Andrew had played on stream. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, ah, Chip, let's let's play the let's play the Gengar against this. You know, let's see let's see how sure. it hangs because we've only really played the Mew matchup and I want to make sure it has like a generally okay metagame presence. Sure. So Chip plays the Boo-Shake Mew Duraldon just absolutely destroys me two games in a row. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a second. <laughs> we didn't even play the boo shakes once and i got destroyed <laughs> like what is going on <laughs> so we we take a look at the boo shake drought on deck and the first thing we do is like all right we have four slots because there are four boo shakes here so so we can really get creative with how we start building this deck <laughs> <laughs> andrew's like no no don't cut the shakes um you know, it's it's all about the content. <laughs> and I'm like Andrew, no, 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 no. You're you're going you're, crazy. you're going a little crazy right now. Not gonna not gonna lie, you're going a little crazy right now. Um, so Chip and I, we get to work. Um, the first thing, first couple things we do is we take out all the shakes to play a maximum amount of Pokemon Search possible, um, and we. We play the Collapse Stadium instead of the Crystal Cave because right. we realize that the Crystal Cave isn't really doing you any favors in terms of math um, mm. if you're not using other forms of healing alongside of it. You know, if you don't have your Yell Towels or your Hyper Potions and stuff. Like, the 30 damage, presumably one time, um, doesn't really change your KO math pretty much ever, yeah. as far yeah. as I could tell, at least. Um so we caught all that. We played some some more straightforward cards, more consistency cards. We maxed out on all of our our researches, our Marnies. We played max Poke Gears, um, and then we almost cut the mustard. But Andrew was like really on the mustard, so like All right, we're gonna keep the mustard. Mustard right. ended up being amazing, so I'm really glad right. that we kept it. Um, 
And we tested that list, and it was just it was doing really, really well. So Chip and I played a bunch of games against Mew. It went like 50-50. We're like, all right, that's good enough. Uh, we'll take that. It's destroying everything else that we have right now. Um, everyone else who's at Andrew's house that night is making fun of me for practicing standard. Like this guy, he's like he's playing standard right now. Is he is he for real? <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, okay, you guys are being mean right now. That's not very nice. Um, <laughs> and, and, take know, it back. Take it back. Yeah. You know, admit that I'm you know, really smart and cool for doing this. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, and that's kind of that's kind of just how it happened. Is we. We ended up just testing the Duraludon deck kind of randomly against the deck that I was intending to play. It, it destroyed it, and <laughs> and we decided that was the way to go. And I think in hindsight, it, it was really. I think the the move was definitely to play a deck with Arceus in it. Um, yes, I think Arceus is probably the best individual card in the format. Yes, you're you're probably right there. The Starbirth, of course, that ability is just really the main reason I think you play the the card right i mean you have of course the energy acceleration but i actually would disagree so consistent the the whole really i think starbirth i probably used starbirth not every single game that i got arceus out even oh. um and the the reason that the deck actually flowed so well to me um is we ended up maxing out all of our our double turbos and our mm-hmm. arceus count uh, while also leaving our Duraldon count kind of thin and the reason that we did that is because, in my opinion, if you can get Duraldon up and running, it is a phenomenally good Pokemon to have in your active position mm-hmm. <laughs> with three energy mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability's good, the attack is good enough, um, and it, it just gets there. The problem with Duraldon, as a standard deck previously, was that you had to attach to that guy a bunch of times before it did anything. So you almost had to play that healing just to make up for the fact that you're wasting so much freaking time. <laughs> right. Um, right. The game, that dynamic is completely changed if you max out your Arceus and double turbo count because not mm-hmm. only is Arceus V-Star amazingly good, but Arceus V may be the mm-hmm. most broken evolving V I've ever seen in my life. The fact that mm-hmm. you can attach that double turbo and immediately get that off there were so many games where I would do that. My Arceus V would get KO'd, but I had like now the route to win because I had a three energy Pokemon on board. Right, um, exactly. Or you can even get creative. Like I had games where I was Arceus Ving using the 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 Trinity. Um, what is the the acceleration attack? I always mess that up. The the Trinity whatever to <laughs> to accelerate my energy. Yeah. Um, Trinity Nova is the attack that does damage, and then it's Trinity something else that accelerates just from the V. A Trinity Charge? Um, Trinity Charge, yes. I always remember it in-game, but I can never remember it out of the game. So right. I, sh- I would Trinity Charge, sometimes even to a different Arceus, and just like use that one later. It was just right. it was so, so good. And basically the entire point of the list, by maxing out the ball cards and the double turbos, was that turn one, I would Trinity Charge going second, no matter what. Um, and I would commit to that really hard in my games. I would be researching a way, like a fighting energy and a metal energy with my Arceus active just to hit the double turbo. If I had, as long mm-hmm. as I had four in deck, I would do that every single time. Mm-hmm. I'd always paid off. Um, and some games I wouldn't even get a Starbirth off, but I would get that one Trinity charge and that would define the game. I see. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So would you say that, you know, kind of looking back, would you have added any more, um, I don't know, like switch cards because I, I noticed in the list that there's only two switch and one escape rope. Um, was starting Duraludon over the Arceus ever a problem for um, you in your in your matches? It never ended up really being a problem. Um, 
you have to for it to like truthfully matter you have to go you have to go second and with the you have to go second hit the arceus hit the double turbo and with the switch card mm-hmm. um which usually you wouldn't have all three of those things happen um if you go first it doesn't matter as much uh, because you can just get the arceus v down and like attach to it and then you know evolve and and get your switch card um which didn't feel like painfully bad to do although certainly right. like sw- more switch cards wouldn't hurt the deck either right right now i assume you still want to go first right it kind of depends honestly depend? like okay honestly like we were debating quite a bit like what was good for the mu matchup in particular right. um you know we had tested a, we'd only played the four games the night before uh, and we went two two but i actually won both of the games where i went second uh, but then in, in practice in the tournament you we always ended up going first when we could against mew mm-hmm. because if they mm-hmm. didn't get the turn one meloetta then you're just golden. then you're cooking and the yeah. collapse stadium kind of made it awkward sometimes for them to get that um but yeah, I think generally, like you do want to go first. Like getting the Trinity Nova is objectively better than getting the the Trinity Charge. Right. Um, but the deck was built in a way where it felt okay going second and getting the Trinity Charge off right away. Mm, gotcha. Cool. What uh, what point during the tournament uh, did you feel like you were going to win? Like, I know we talk about this in the past of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're into your rounds and I, I, I don't want to go through round by round uh, because you kind of posted a little summary on Twitter and like people can ask you right about round by round. But what were some of like the moments in the tournament that were big moments? And then was there ever a point that you knew that you were going to win? Yeah. Um, you know, in contrast to my, to my other tournaments, you know, if you look, listen to the cast or. Um, just have talked to me about some of my other big wins in the past. I'll, I'll often say like pretty early is when I felt like I would I would win. I did not feel like that at this <laughs> tournament uh, because I had kind of a slow start to the event. I had started off with a tie, um, and then I got a win, which was kind of reassuring, and then I got a tie yep. uh, following that. So I was feeling like kind of crappy heading into you know round four onwards, uh, and I was like really tempted just to drop honestly. I just save mm-hmm. myself the the mental energy because I'm like, there's no way I'm making top cut from here. I have to win out, and this deck is good, but I'm probably gonna tie again along the way, stuff like right. that. Um, however, once I had seen the seeding for top cut, I felt pretty confident that I would win the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mm-hmm. reason for that was my the deck I was most afraid of at the event was probably Ice Rider. The deck that I was second most afraid of was Mew. Um, and the Mew opponent that I had, though, was only playing one basic Psychic, was what mm. I had heard. And that obviously forced them to basically only use Max Miracle to damage my Duraludons, which just is right. so slow. It doesn't really right. get there. Um, so I was feeling really good heading into top eight, especially because the other sides of the bracket, it looked like Dark Box was likely to succeed. And as far as I could tell, that matchup was really, really good. You know, I yeah, t- only played it a couple times, but yeah, talk to me a little bit about the uh, the dark box wheezing Moltres matchup because I mean they put a lot of pressure on with their you know one prize Pokemon, but 
you're also able to kind of route out the game with forcing them to take seven or eight prizes. So kind of talk to me about what that matchup looked like. It looked like uh, just reviewing kind of how your tournament went that you didn't really have any trouble with it um, over the course of, of the day. But just walk us through what that matchup looked like, because I feel like a lot of players are gravitating towards this Weezing Moltres deck as as an obvious answer to Mew and also just being able to counter a lot of other things in the meta. Yeah, uh, the Weezy Moltres deck is actually a deck that I like a lot. I played it quite a bit on the latter pre-Brilliant Stars. So, And I mentioned in my interview with Andrew, I felt like because I'd played it so much, I knew the things that would like annoy me and bother me <laughs> as a Dark Box player. Um, right. And so I tried to just do those things as much as possible. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, for example... Um, and first off, I guess, you know, as a baseline, the Arceus V-Star is, like, a huge pain in the butt for that deck. Right. Um, it just has a lot of hit points. It only gives up two prizes, and, and the math doesn't work out super great. Like, basically, the only... You've kind of hit these HP thresholds with the Duraldon deck, where the only thing that really is threatening KOs for the majority of the game is Sableye. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, they don't want to put Sableye in the game to take, like, their first knockout. <laughs> they want right. to do it for, like, their right. last knockout or something like that. Um, so the way I would usually handle it is I ended up going second in a lot of the games because I won <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, they'd force me to go second in every subsequent game. I would try and get the Trinity charge off, of course. Um, if I was going first... I, I would pretty reliably get the Trinity Nova off, which usually just kind of sealed the game right away. Mm-hmm. Um, the The keys, though, in the, in general, is you get the quick Trinity charge. Um, save your evolutions for when you need them. The Duraldon V, you know, to get out of poison, basically. Like, if, for example, if you're just attacking into the first Weezing and they haven't poisoned you yet, mm-hmm. you might as well just use, like, the Duraldon V. If for three metals, it KOs the Weezing. Um, right. And then if they happen to poison you next turn, you know, you can just evolve out of it. Plus, the Duraldon right. V right. has the damage reduction ability, which is super relevant for, like, the Hoopas and stuff like that. Um, right. Same thing for, like, the Arceus is, like, you can KO, like, a Coughing or something or a Sobble with the, the Power Edge on the Arceus V and then evolve out of the poison so it stops stacking. Just, like, little right. things like that add up over right. time. And I think the, the ultimate, like, nail in the coffin is your Pokemon have so much HP and you can pretty effectively like pivot between them uh, because Arceus V-Star will pretty reliably like charge up at least one, more than likely two attackers. Um, and it, well, you can just retreat off your double turbo. So you can retreat into another Arceus and then retreat their double turbo and retreat into a Duraludon. And honestly, like I would just I would throw down the the double turbos and retreat them on Duraludons. Like it's three energy retreat costs, so you only have to pay one of your colored energy to retreat if you got the double mm-hmm. turbo on there and just like retreating using your switches forcing them to to gust because really their big ko options can pretty much never come alongside of a gust you know you think of the raihan to a sableye you think of the clara for moltres none of those can be accompanied by a boss's orders so right as long as you right. have your your big freaking guy in the front it doesn't matter almost how much damage you have on the bench that turn uh, and so I would play to that really hard and I would build wider benches in that matchup than I would in pretty much any other. Like in most matchups, mm-hmm. I would have like mm-hmm. two Pokemon on the board, three Pokemon on the board. I was like actually be- benching a lot of different Pokemon versus the, the Weezing deck. So I would just keep moving between them and, and they couldn't handle that. That's 
a fantastic point that I think, you know, especially a newer uh, listener, newer to the game might not understand is like, yeah, just hard retreating or those little tricks where getting out of poison on the evolve, like that can really add up over time in terms of the amount of damage that you're taking. Um, and like you said, the opponent, if they're playing that, that wheezing dark deck, they are always going to be, you know, kind of struggling to keep attackers going, right? Yeah. Their attackers um, all have less HP for the most part than the attacks that you're dealing to them. So they're going to have to continually recycle attackers, get new things built up. Mm -hmm. And that makes it really hard for them because they have to use, yeah, like you said, things like Raihan um, to be able to stream those attackers effectively. And if they're using Raihan, can't use boss. So <laughs> that's a big deal, right? So yeah, building those benches is, is a, is a huge, huge thing in that matchup. Cool. Well, what were some things that, you know, as you finish the day, your crown champion, as you reflect back on your tournament run, was there anything that you would have changed about the deck? I think the deck was, I think the deck was maximized exactly the way I wanted it to be. Um, historically, I've, I've fallen into the trap too many times, I think, of polluting my deck with techs and things like that, like trying to tech out for the meta. Um, and I tried to do pretty much the exact opposite for this event, is just play the mm -hmm. most streamlined, straightforward version of this deck that I possibly could. Yeah. Um, and I really stand by that being a, a good decision. Um, and generally, like I think that's a good decision no matter what. Um, the techs have to be adding a, a fairly significant amount of value to be worth changing your deck for. Um, mm -hmm. Because especially if they're matchup specific, they have to like really swing that matchup to be worth it. And there's very few cards, I think, that would really have that level of impact on any given matchup with this deck. Um, certainly there are things that you could change. You could play more switch outs, for example. You could try playing like a Galarian Zapdos V to better handle uh, other Arceus decks, things like that. But on the whole, I think the deck did what I wanted it to do very consistently, and I, I can't really complain about that. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't change a ton. You know, if I was to change cards in the deck, I would change them on the order of like less than two, you know, two or less cards sure. for any given event. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it really feels like it's kind of a bittersweet moment, I'm sure, because, you know, I don't I don't remember if you're going to Salt Lake. I don't believe you are. Not, but it feels no. like it feels like the build that if you had just kind of kept it <laughs> in the back pocket and then had gone to the first regionals of the year, you would have just smoked as well. Like this feels like <laughs> a very meta defining deck. So kind of walk us through how you feel like the meta will warp around this deck because it was the first major tournament after the first three rounds, you know, you had a couple of ties, you pretty much swept right through to the finals. Like it was not even close for the most part. So kind of walk us through where you think the meta shifts now that you won, you know, very convincingly with this deck. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the main factor is that other decks have to acknowledge Duraldon as a threat. Um, so for example, like, the Flygon deck was pretty much an auto win for us because they didn't play a supplemental damage to get through Big Charm. Mm -hmm. um, the Flygon itself could only hit up to 350 with a choice spell, which of course is 10 damage short of knocking out a Big Charm Duraldon. They can they play stuff like Zigzagoon now. They can't not acknowledge Duraldon as that kind of threat. The 
Mew decks have to play basic psychic energies in a high enough quantity to actually be a threat to the Duraludon players. Um, you know, at least two, <laughs> but right. you know, one won't cut it, but maybe three even to to continue to streamline those attacks versus the Duraludon Vmaxes. Um, and I think that's kind of like the main areas where you'll see shifts around it is you have to play decks that can support basic energies and you have or like can easily handle the the not playing basic energies you know like a single strike with path either has to play like four path or has to play um a thick line of the the v max the v max to hit through the effect in the first place um and i think we've already kind of seen that response cook up if you've been watching like the limitless tournaments from the last few days the drought on deck is definitely showing up the mu deck Obviously, it's still the most popular deck in the format. I think Mew is probably still the best deck in the format and standard. Um, best deck in the format doesn't always win every single tournament. Um, but you're kind of seeing that that shift, though, already. is A lot of people are playing the Duraludon. They're often doing very, very well, from what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. But the, the decks around them are better prepared to handle it in the first place. I would also say, like... If you're looking for a deck that probably has a good matchup against Duraludon, I really felt strapped in the the Ice Rider matchups with mm-hmm. or without Arceus. Mm-hmm. I think Ice Rider just, especially with a choice belt, like the fact it threatens your to one hit KO your Arceus right away is really right. scary. The fact it, especially if they do play the Arceus, like a, a three energy basic Arceus, three basic energy Arceus is right. a huge threat <laughs> on a Duraludon VMAX because sure, typically throughout on trades really well into the two prizers because it basically one shots all of them except for the v stars um so that's scary <laughs> yeah 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 that's good yeah the ice rider matchup certainly just playing any i just feel like any deck that plays high counts of basic energy like kind of name name your i don't know choose your deck i guess outside of the galarian weezing deck uh <laughs> yeah and i think i think generally like any deck that can empower like streamline just like a couple of different basic energy arceus those yeah. are the decks that i would be most scared of as a duraludon player is basic sure. energy arceus is just swinging into me constantly doing the 200 two hit KOing me while i'm two hit KOing them but for uneven prizes right exactly exactly that's a huge deal for sure so one last personal question for you. Yeah. Um, talk to us about how it felt to win the tournament. I mean, it's been two years since you've played, you know, competitive Pokemon. Well, that's not necessarily, you know, exactly true, but you get the sentiment. It's like it's <laughs> yeah. been a long time since you've gotten, you know, we're kind of back into the swing of things. Um, how did it feel to win the tournament and what were the emotions like after you, you know, knew that you were going to take your final prize? Like, what was that like? It was, um, it was an awesome feeling. I mean, as you know, as a, as I often say, history remembers winners. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a big deal to etch my name into the, the annals of history. But, so true. <laughs> but more realistically, um, as I was in that final game and it was winding down and I realized like I was for sure winning that game mm-hmm. um, on like the third turn. As soon as that like third turn hit and I knew it was hitting different, um, I felt super good. And I was starting to feel like really uplifted because 
I just I had set like kind of low goalposts for myself to be honest. Like as I was going through the tournament, like I had gone through the tournament, like oh, I just I want to drop this event. I I don't feel it. And then I gotten kind of a, like okay, like if I get top sixteen because I won a couple rounds in a row, I'll be happy with that. Like they're doing payoff mm-hmm. for top sixteen, whatever. Like that's cool. Um, and then it was like okay, I don't want to get top eight though. I definitely want to get top four. So you know, let's push for top four. Let's definitely get top four. And then. And then it's like, you know what? I'm going to win this whole freaking thing. <laughs> Nobody else is going to do this but me. Um, and then Mike Gibbs grabbed the scoop up net to signalize, signal to me that he was about to scoop the game <laughs> on yeah. the final turn of the game. I was dying laughing at that. That was super funny. Um, yeah. And all my opponents were super, super nice throughout the whole day. You know, Kurt in my top four game mm-hmm. did like the funniest thing that nobody on stream would have realized. So I'm going to relay now. Um the first time that he like ascensioned into a wheezing, he like he turns around and looks at his buddy. He's like, "Hey, give me a wheezing." And his his friend is like, he says like, he's like wheezing like the anime, <laughs> like perfect recreation of the anime. I'm like, what just happened? Like this is a top four game for a lot of money. <laughs> you just turned around and did that. That's, that's amazing. And then the next day, Kurt walks up to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, my friend does the wheezing. I'm practicing like the chabak. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's insane and cool. That's amazing. <laughs> so I was dying laughing. I, You know, my spirits were just really high towards the end of the day. Um, yeah. It's kind of what I'm getting at there. Like, I had such a pleasant set of opponents. They took their their losses in strides as I crushed them. As I G-Max pulverized them, they took it so in stride. Uh, they were super kind, super nice. Um and, you know, getting at what you were saying towards by the start, um, you know, I, I hadn't had a real life Pokemon experience since Collinsville. I had literally not played cards with another human since Collinsville right before COVID-19 shut mm. down the whole mm-hmm. thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you all know the story at this point. The So being able to just like pick up pick up the cards again and just be like, yeah, I haven't I haven't just lost my edge, you know, even though. Um, even though I haven't really played a ton of these online tournaments and things like that, I, I still got it. And I, I, that was like a really reassuring thing mm-hmm. to me. I was kind of going into the weekend. I was in kind of like a, a dark spot mentally unrelated to Pokemon. Um, so it was nice to know that like, not only do I still have like my friends in my community, but I still got it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, it was a really great feeling. It was exactly what I needed, I think. Yeah, that's great. Really exciting stuff. Congratulations once again, Riley. It was really nice having you on the cast to share your thoughts. Oh, thanks, man. Hopefully I can be a guest sometime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> great being here. <laughs> well, Standard is, is certainly a ride for, for those of you going to, to Salt Lake. Hopefully we can continue to provide insight. Hopefully this adds some credence to our insight being at least a little bit legit. Um, we're going to talk GLC in just a moment. But JW, why don't you hit us up with a card of the day? Yeah, so my card of the day is one that I picked up recently um, and it's just just a horrific-looking card. I feel like this Pokemon... <laughs> you have a tendency to pick the odd-looking ones. For... <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like this Pokemon in general is just kind of like a horrific-looking Pokemon. Yeah. Um, it's kind of humanoid in form. 
Um, it's had some very bad, like very bad cards <laughs> over the course of its history. I'm really curious and, what you're talking about. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Wait, give me a, a dex entry. Give me a dex entry. Oh, okay. Let me uh, let me see here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, um, give me one second. While you're doing that, we also <laughs> we did this like fun little game. Um, after I had dropped from the GLC event, uh, Michael Slutsky was taking out cards out of bulk. Um, and like, all right, you know, name the attack on this Pokemon. <laughs> and it was like so entertaining. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, what is Gengar V's first attack? <laughs> Dark That's slumber awesome. for the reference. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. I, I couldn't even tell you, man. I just know what they do. Right. Yeah, it's like, exactly. who, who actually reads? <laughs> exactly. Okay, I got the entry for it. All right, let's go. So it'll kind of give away the typing, so it's going to cut off like 750 Pokemon. (laughs) Um, But to brush up on its fighting skills, it will challenge anyone. It has a very strong competitive spirit. Um, Halucha? Oh, uglier. (laughs) Uglier. Conkledur. No, think of a fighting Pokemon that's uglier. Isn't Conkledur like rock or something? Conkledur's a fighting Pokemon, bro. Conkledur is fighting? All right. Well, <laughs> I digress. Conkledur is pretty ugly, though. You, you, you're yeah. right. You're right. So, the, all right, give the card of the day is another Komiya special. Aquapolis <laughs> Tyrogue. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now, Aquapolis Tyrogue, like, and you got to remember, Kamiya is like a favorite of mine where he he makes all the Pokemon look kind of awkward and their their facial features are kind of weird. And it's just really uh, an unnerving experience to look at some of his <laughs> cards. And this Tyrogue is no different. It is kind of coming at you with an arm in the air that's cockeyed. It looks like it'd been broken before it, you know, was running at you. And it's got one little hand out with its with its three little fingers kind of pointed at you like a like a gardening tool and it's it's just really <laughs> awkward and it's it's a funky looking looking dude so tyrogue from aquapolis there's also a promotional print of this same exact tyrogue that's just as terrible and <laughs> tyrogue is jumping rope and the ropes, you know, to, to kind of uh, indicate the motion of the jump rope. Uh, Komiya has has drawn them with, uh, you know, kind of surrounding the tie rogue. So it looks like he's in a ball <laughs> made of his yeah. jumping rope. And so, yeah, just horrible cards. I just I'm looking at him. I'm like, <laughs> just, it's just, so just horrible cards. <laughs> it is truly atrocious. <laughs> no, poor tie rogue. Well, <laughs> RIP to the kid, man. I know. But you know what's not atrocious? I have an idea. It's our sponsor, Manscaped. <laughs> That's right. Manscaped is the sponsor of the Tag Team Podcast. In fact, we are presented by Manscaped. And we couldn't be happier to partner with them to bring you great products so i've been using the products now what for the last like four or five months now they're awesome really really high quality stuff that they have going out there and uh yeah i think we are just huge fans of uh of of everything that they've sent to us so far now hear me out (laughs) 
And you know it's going to be good when I start a sentence with that. Now hear me out. Regionals are coming up. Not only do you want to look your best, but you want to play your best. And JW and I are both avid users of Manscaped products. We love our Lawnmower 4.0, our Weed Whackers, near ears and nose hair trimmers. And I can say with confidence, there's no way we'd be able to play so effectively and confidently if we weren't looking and feeling our best. And there's no way that we would look and feel nearly as good as we do without Manscaped's help. <laughs> can I say to extend that just one step further, Riley? Please do. Since using Manscaped products, we have not lost a tournament. <laughs> it's true. It's we true. have won all the tournaments we have entered since using Manscaped it's products. True. Now, your mileage may vary, but just keep that in mind. I, I mean, know. it's you know, we're not saying the exact thing will happen for you, but it's just something to think about. <laughs> it's just something to think about. Just keep it in the back of your mind, guys, so you can get your Manscaped products with a promo code. Tag Team, get 20% off plus free shipping on anything in the store. That's 20% off plus free shipping, manscaped.com, with the promo code Tag Team. That's right. Thank you so much for manscaped for sponsoring the cast we appreciate your support and thank you all for checking out manscaped and using our code let's dive into it then jw glc the gym leader challenge format for the uninitiated glc is the pokemon format penned by andrew mahone and popularized across the world wherein you are forced to play one Pokemon type, and your cards, besides your basic energy, are singletons. So you can play a max one copy of any individual card. This is through the expanded format, so black and white onwards. And there's a handful of bands, but generally that's that's all you need to know to get started. Well, and no V... Right, no Rulebox Pokemon as no well. No EXs, yeah. No Rulebox Rule Box cards, Box. period. So that includes A-Specs. That includes Prism Pokemon that are one prize. Um, you can only play the the straightforward, evolving, slash basic guys. None of the, none of the crazy stuff, okay? No, yeah, just keep, the crazy it, stuff. keep it Yeah, on the straight and narrow. Everyone is allowed to have 1-1 one, one Arceus V-Star, but that's it. <laughs> All right, well, that, that rules TBD. That rules TBD. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to plug it though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One Arceus V Star and one uh, Reshiram and Charizard. One Reshiram. Well, fire, fire against Reshiram and Charizard for sure, and to balance that, you know, <laughs> so on and so forth. Uh, so, JW emerged the victor of the Sunday Full Grip Games Tournament, the GLC event. And boy, oh boy, was it an exciting one. JW emerging victorious with the dark type deck, calling the Dark Knight, as he defeats the colorless attacking deck in the finals. JW, you've been a fan of this dark deck for a long time. You've been talking about it on the cast for months, so we know you're a real one. We know you're legit here on the podcast. Tell us about, you know, last time, Last time you were at a full group games event, you didn't end up going with the dark deck. Uh, talk us through kind of what ended up sealing the deal for Sunday. Absolutely. So the biggest card that 
Dark got that it didn't have before was a draw engine in the form of the Lipard. So Lipard has a trade ability, allows you to discard a card and draw two cards. That is so good because in GLC, there's just so many turns. You know, a game can go <laughs> 5, 10, 15, 20 turns sometimes. Yeah. And you can be able to trade every single one of those turns. And it's not necessarily that you're drawing cards, which is really good. I mean, obviously you want to be able to draw cards, but it's also that you're thinning your deck of the cards that you don't need so much anymore. So things like the Bridgets and the Glorias, after you get past, you know, the first couple of turns, those cards are very much dead. And where other decks struggle to get rid of those cards, Dark now has a way to just toss them and get an additional benefit of the draw. So that is a big thing. Why I chose not to go with Dark in the first GLC tournament is because the best draw power before Brilliant Stars came out and the Lipard came out was the Crobat line. And I hated the <laughs> yeah, Crobat line. it's pretty bad. <laughs> it was so bad because not only do you only get a singular benefit, like you have to have it in hand, right? So there's no way to, to prep for an opponent's end, for right. instance, right? Or an opponent's Marnie. Like if that thing goes to the bottom of the deck, good luck finding it again. But uh, it, it doesn't really have that great of an attack either. I know that some people were kind of talking like, well, you can do a hundred for, <laughs> for one energy, but like you already have some really busted attackers that can do yeah. pretty much that. Uh, so it's not even that good of an attacker. The free retreat doesn't really matter all that much. Um, so the Crobat line, in my opinion, is straight garbage in the dark deck uh, compared to what we now have in the live part. But yeah, going back to that initial tournament, um, you know, I went with lightning because it had a better draw engine and it could do a lot of the same things as dark. So sure. dark can take multiple prizes with the Guzzlord and lightning can take multiple prizes with the Raikou. Dark can also um, attack for one energy and take a knockout on the first turn of the game with the Hoopa and the lightning deck can also take a <laughs> knockout on the first turn of the game with the Zapdos. So they're very parallel archetypes. It's just that Dark didn't have a decent draw engine. So fast forward to the um, you know the the tournament this last weekend. Why did I opt to go with Dark? I think on the whole, Dark has a lot less um, you know finicky attackers. So lightning, you might need a couple of attachments. Um, you know, you're generally going to have to evolve a little bit more, but dark has a little bit easier, uh, time attacking because most of your attackers are basics. And then you also have, you know, a few stage ones. So the weavile can hit for, you know, 200, 250 damage, depending on what your opponent has on the field. The Zoroark can hit for, you know, upwards of 160 damage and is a stage one. And then you got all the busted basic attackers. So the Hoopa, the Guzzlord, and the Galarian Moltres, yeah. um, which are just so, so strong. The other thing I really like about the Dark deck is that you have Ascension in both um, the Coughing, so you can get out the Weezing for a really strong lock on your opponent's uh, abilities, and then you have Ascension on the Zorark, so you can always uh, know that you have kind of an attacker set up for the following turn. So... A lot of things going for dark. I think it parallels the lightning archetype, you know, pretty closely. Um, but I think on the whole, the attackers in the dark deck um, are just a little bit better than the ones in the lightning deck. So that's why I opted to go for it. Now, one thing I'm really curious about for the dark deck 
is it has those really solid single energy attachment attackers. You know, you have your Zorark and your Weavile and your Hoopa, most prominently, who can really threaten your opponent's board for very little investment. However, I will note that Zorark and, and Weavile especially, there is opportunity for your opponent to play around those attacks and, and kind of deny your ability to take those knockouts. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've always kind of been afraid of Dark having kind of a uh, potential damage problem so to speak, if they are, if your opponent's able to get a fat guy in the active, um, without you know over benching or over ability benching, is that right. something that you felt like you had to consider heading into this tournament? Yeah, absolutely. But there are definitely ways around it. So, for instance, the Galarian wheezing is just always something that I was going in with early, and the poison doesn't really matter whether or not you're a beefy dude or a little guy. Like poison it, treats you the same. <laughs> poison treats you the same, right? So you're yeah. always, for the most part, going to want to lead with that, and then your opponent's like trying to scramble to get other things set up while not using abilities. And so I never really found that um, opponents were really effectively able to uh, both keep abilities out of play and also to limit their bench. Like it, it was yeah. kind of, it kind of felt like an either or, like you're kind of picking your poison really. It's like I either knock you out with, with the Zorak or I knock you out with the, with the Weavile. It's, it's really just hard to combat kind of both of those things going on at the same time. Another thing that I really prioritize with the list is being able to hit for as much damage as possible uh, pretty much at any point. So I included both the muscle band and the um, and the dark claw, which give your dark Pokemon uh, 20 plus attack damage. Um, and then I also had the devoured field, which is not the most popular card in these in these dark type archetypes. But I will say it fixes some very specific math. Yeah, and we anything... saw that too. Yeah, yeah, you guys saw that, of course. But anything that has 130 health, um, you can... And if your opponent only has three bench Pokemon, then you can attach a Muscle Band or a Dark Claw to a Zoroark and knock out 130 with, uh, with the Zoroark's attack. Um, you know, you can also do things with the... Um, you can hit up to 190, which is a really important number for metal decks because that is the number of uh, HP that the Kaparaja has. So if you um, get a Spear Tomb set up with five damage counters after you've built a bunch of Spite up and then you attach that Muscle Band or Dark Claw and then you get the Stadium in play, then you can hit for 190. So there's just a lot of math, little math, that uh, that, that Stadium helps fix. Would it ever be worthwhile to include a... a tertiary damage modifier like a leon or a, a kukui as well that's a really good idea i definitely thought about kukui i think in in particular because i want with these glc decks to be as um as nimble i guess as possible i i don't really know how to how to phrase it any better but basically the cards that i try to include in the list for glc in any list that i make I want them to be like as good, you know, in the early game as they are in the late game or, or just be viable, especially in that early game when you're trying to get set up. Mm -hmm. So be able to draw cards, um, you know, try to try to do something, um, you know, even if the rest of your hand is dead, like, oh, I, I at least have, you know, a draw too, right? Like I at least can get something yeah. out and something going. So, um, you know, there could be, 
a reason to play Leon. But again, that's like kind of tough to say, yeah, go for it because <laughs> you're not drawing any cards with that supporter. And I really value doing that uh, with with any GLC deck that I play. I would be inclined to agree. I think that even the draw two is a significant upside over the, the 10 damage. One of the things that I find with opponents GLC decks, and it happened a lot during the course of the day, is just that they don't draw particularly well. I think a lot of people think that, oh, I can get by with, you know, six or seven draw supporters and and I'll I'll be okay. Right. And like I'll I'll figure it out or or my deck <laughs> runs okay with just that amount of supporters. But no, there's a lot of good supporters to choose from. Um, you know, I was playing things like copycat, which I know a lot of lists weren't playing, but I just wanted to chalk full my deck with uh, as many supporters as I possibly could to make sure that I always had ways to draw cards. You know, Bruno, another great card in in my list. Like just wanted to make sure that I always had a draw card when I needed it. Um and uh, I think that's what kind of separated my list from a lot of the other lists that I played that day is just I was looking at some of them afterwards and I think they got really greedy on the amount of draw that they played. Yeah, and it's it's funny because that like emphasis on draw and consistency is something that we saw in both tournaments, right? Because I had also tried to max out my draw and gears and you had done a similar right. strategy in terms of maxing out your supporter line. Um, so clearly, for whatever reason, draw is good in the Pokemon trading card game. One thing I'm curious, you know, coming out of this tournament, was there anything that you would change in this list if you were to to run it back? Or if, you know, now that the metagame is likely going to shift around some of the decks that did well at this event, you know, the colorless attacking deck will more than likely get much more popular and the dark deck will also likely get more popular. How would you pivot to, to change or do you think it's not necessary? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I'll, that's kind of two questions. So like, what would I have changed about the list on the day? And then what would I change going forward? So yeah. what would I have changed about the list like on the day? Um, I I 100% believe that I had found like the perfect 60 <laughs> cards for that day. I am always looking for that. And I I really, really strongly believe that for that day, for what was in the room, I had the best combination of cards for a GLC deck. That I, I don't mean to sound like pompous, but like really just I could not think of a card over the course of the day that I'm like, oh man, you know, I really needed this other card. Like it was the perfect combination for what I saw um, that day. And I, I'm really proud of, uh, of how the deck performed. Heading forward, if the metagame shifts a little bit, because I do expect, like you said, the colorless deck to really rise. That was a deck that surprised me and intrigued me and um, has a lot going for it. You got Biberol, you got Cinchino, and you got Pidgey to draw. Talk about a draw engine. Like, <laughs> yeah. Those are just Meanwhile, disgusting. Meanwhile, Dark's really happy to have the one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, um, you know, it's kind of gluttonous over there being a colorless player because you just have so much good draw. Um, so I was thinking about, well, what could I use to counter colorless just a little bit more? And I was thinking about maybe like a, an enhanced hammer would be kind of good. Yeah. Um, that's potentially also good in, uh, the water matchup to get rid of their splash energy. It would be good in the mirror to get rid of, you know, twin or double colorless. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I was thinking about an enhanced hammer. I, it, it go, kind of goes against what I was talking about earlier, where having, you know, you want to have cards that are 
as useful and as wide of varieties of situations as possible. But, um, you know, just being able to disrupt that one special energy on one crucial turn might make differences in, uh, in win and lo- wins and losses. Absolutely. Over the course of the day, what was the, the game that was the most challenging or what was the most, in- or if not challenging, what was the most interesting experience you had throughout the day? Yeah, that has to go hands down to the, uh, the grass deck that I played on stream in round six, I believe. I had lost the prior round to Trevor. I was 4-0. I was playing Trevor, who I ended up playing in the finals with this colorless attacking deck. And I was like, shoot, I really wished I had won that last round because I go five and oh, yeah, I did twice. You make top eight. Now, all of a sudden I'm, I'm four and one. I had to play around. And if I lose this one, I go from four and oh to four, two and out of contention. So I'm really kind of, kind of bracing myself for disappointment going into the stream <laughs> to match. And, and I really get disappointed when my opponent, uh, Kurt just, blows it out of the water with his setup he's just going crazy he's got a decidui which is insane he's got the flapple which is like giving him perfect math on a lot of my (laughs) benched pokemon it was just like looking horrible there for the entire game and um luckily had a few things go my way um well i so okay so it's actually a really interesting thing because you know the whole game um, I had, I could have won on the first turn had I gone second. I just do want to say that like he did not get a ball card on his first turn. He had one Pokemon. I could have knocked him out with Hoopa. It's just like, it's so interesting how close these things are. Like he ended up going second and he was able to get things set up. Um, but if I had gone second, I would have won, <laughs> which is, it's just like an interesting thing. Right. And so we ended up playing this really elaborate long game. Um, I had to use Weavile sleep flips had to get three in a row at one point to extend the game. And then he made a, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it was a wrong decision, but he made a, um, you know, he, he made the wrong decision. I don't know that it, that he would have necessarily known not to make that decision, but he had the choice to either knock out a Guzzlord or a Galarian Moltres. And he knocked out the Galarian Moltres at the end of the game. That gave me a route to knock out, Uh, a low HP Pokemon on its bench for two prizes with the Guzzlord and then Clara for Mm. the Galarian Moltres to do 270 to whatever he brought up in the active. It was really uh, an intense kind of final few turns of that game. And uh, it was all streamed, which is really cool because now I can go back and watch it and maybe rip it and throw it up on my YouTube channel and, uh, you know, just kind of always have that, uh, always have that there. But that was by far the most stressful game that I've played in a long time. That sounds stressful, man. Needing those three sleep flips to be able to come back is, uh, is a tall order. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. It's but that's just how it goes sometimes, it you know, and, is. and it doesn't work out for you every time, but the times it does, you just, you remember those forever for sure. So looking ahead in GLC, you know, now that we've seen kind of the impact <laughs> that brilliant stars has had on the meta a sizable one at that do you think dark is still the move for any of these tournaments or is there another type that is appealing to you at the moment dark seems good i like the hp 
of the attacking colorless deck. Um, you just have a lot of fat dudes <laughs> and you have a lot of really good draw. So I think against anything not named Galarian Weezing, you're going to have a really good time. And you might even play like different techs for Galarian Weezing. Like you could play like an escape rope, for instance. I don't believe Trevor played an escape rope, but just being able to move the Galarian Weezing out of the active would be very beneficial for a deck like uh, attacking colorless. I'm also really intrigued by um, fire potentially. I, I think that there's a lot of nice things with fire in terms of draw engines and uh, potential just sniping uh, attackers. And then I've also been thinking you, you kind of mentioned it um, the water control deck. Yes. That deck is broken with the floatzel. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't see anyone play it. I, I don't think I don't anyone, did. anyone did, but um, that seems like something I would want to look into because of how, quick the lock can be i do think the control decks are broken in glc in general they're just really really hard to to execute on consistently yeah and the time limits are i mean it's always going to be a problem but just like you know you're 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 struggling against time as well because not only are you doing a lot of things on your turn and trying to map out things and trying to figure out what's prized but your opponent is also doing like very similar things right where they like yeah. really need to know what's prized <laughs> and like their turns just take a lot longer as well yeah, the control decks, uh, the time is a huge factor. So, and in addition to just like the difficulty of playing them, so yeah, you have to practice yeah. them a heck of a lot. Oh, for sure. Well, I think that, I mean, that's just such an impressive victory. the The stream games that you played were were so intense and so awesome. Uh, if someone is looking to get into GLC, what would your advice be to them as the the GLC champion? Man, it feels good to finally be able to say that. I was so close in that first tournament, but <laughs> we uh, we took care of business. So um, <laughs> I would say that if you're looking to get into GLC, I would try to start like very basic. I would say one of the best archetypes that remains relatively basic is water. You're, you know, you're just kind of attaching energy. There's not any real spooky things that... I, I, at least none that come like immediately off the dome with water. You're just attaching a bunch of energy, hitting with big dudes. Like it's very much the beat stick, beat stick deck of the format. You're pretty consistent for the most part. You got the Intelli online. You got uh, you got your Octillery. So that's a good one to get started with. I would just say try to keep it simple. So that deck, or I'm trying to think of another like really really basic. Um, you know, good deck. Maybe like metal would be another one where you're not really doing anything too crazy, but you got big dudes, you're smacking them around. So try to take one of those archetypes and really master it. And then you can see how they work within the metagame of the other types. Well, there you go. Do you have any final words as the, the GLC champion? I think the format's pretty fun. I kind of wish... I had been there for standard. Like, I think if I had to choose, I would probably still play <laughs> in standard events. But um, GLC certainly rewards experienced players, in my opinion, um, or at least players that play the deck, you know, that they're that they're going for a ton. Like, I think that yeah. is something that uh, cannot be overstated is just that with the variety of archetypes and the variety of different ways to build archetypes, the players that practice their gym leader type are on the whole going to be 
you know, doing much better than the ones that, you know, kind of pick it up the week before, right? The ones that have kind of a deep knowledge of how these decks play, of their unique comeback plays. Um, I think, you know, there's an experience level with GLC that, um, that I really value in comparison to standard or, uh, or even sometimes expanded. Absolutely. Well, JW, I think this weekend we proved all the haters and doubters wrong. I've people have been saying for a long time that, Hey, this JW and Riley guy, nothing, nothing but a bag of baloney. Yep. And we took those haters and really took them to town. We really did. We put <laughs> ourselves on the map as like, you, you know, there are, there are other podcasts out there. There are other content creators, but just ask yourself, how many of those podcasters, how many of those content creators like actually win tournaments? <laughs> There's a reason we are the premier podcasting duo. We say it every episode and it is absolutely true. Can I get three cheers for tag team? <laughs> <laughs> When you do that in the interview, I lost my freaking mind. <laughs> that was such a good moment for I, sure. You were clearly you were like clearly feeling yourself that day. <laughs> you know? Chip gets off the you know we get off the camera and Chip goes, "JW's never met a camera he didn't like." <laughs> Chip is so funny. I love that guy. <laughs> He's great, man. He's great. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, JW, for <laughs> participating in the cast. Um, if you're looking for the premier podcasting duo and more great Pokemon content, where can you find us? You can find us on Twitter at Smiles with Riles for Riley, at Real John Walter for myself, and the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon. That's right. And if you are listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, please do leave a rate and review. Mention in that review how we are all-star champions. Um, but really, the rate and review does help. It boosts up, and that algorithm helps us get discovered. That's how we find awesome deals like we do with Manscaped. So we appreciate all your, your listenership and your continued support of the cast. We do record this live every single week on twitch.tv slash Munner. And if you're looking to hear some of JW's content or watch it live, you can go check that out at twitch.tv slash FlexDaddyRighteous as well as on YouTube at FlexDaddy. Absolutely. That's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We're so happy to be bringing you this top-tier competitive Pokemon (laughs) TCG content week after week. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. See ya.